G'day punters and welcome to Inside 50. We've got such a special guest this week, I could not even work out how to describe him. So I rang my friends at the Could Have Been Champions and this is how they summed him up. I'm Dippy Adamanico, spreading trouble wherever I go. I'm a part of the Hawthorne style, been a hog for a long, long while. I've never played for Essendon, Essendon. I never was a swan or a cat. I'm Robert Dippy Adamanico, I'm Dippy. Take that. Hey. Love that song. Hey. Welcome to the podcast, Dipper. Thank you very much, Quinny and uh, Croft. Great to see you. Well, great to see both you guys. Thanks for the invite. What do you hear? What do you think when you hear that great could have been champion song? Well, that was uh, in the early 80s, and uh, uh, obviously, Greg Champion uh, wrote that song. I got to meet the boys uh, back in the days of Triple R, and I was one of the first sort of guys to sort of uh, you know, go in and do some work with them, and they wrote that song, and, and uh, yeah, they still play today, which is great. Very, very catchy. I was seeing yeah, the whole catchy, way yes. into work. Now, Croft, we know the Hawthorne Footy Club is big, but it obviously wasn't quite big enough to have you and Dipper at the club at the same time. <laughs> Unfortunately, you literally just missed each other. What are your thoughts on the great Dipper before you got to the Hawks? Well, well, you had Dermot there as well. You had all these huge names, and especially as a young kid. You're watching grand finals every year and Hawthorne all playing. So you knew all the players, but uh, larger than life. And then I was lucky enough to be handed the great number nine um, from Dipper. So that was pretty special. So we've always had a long connection, uh, a bundle of energy. Whenever you see Dipper, you always feel better about yourself. He always gets everyone up and about. And even walking into that today, everyone's there at their... Uh, their desk, working away very hard, um, and Dipper's yelling out to everyone, how's it all going, what's going on, and you can just see the smiles on their faces, so it's infectious, it's great to have someone like that, and could play, he was tough, hey? not many people can play in a grand final with broken ribs and lungs, Rick Disnick style, remember uh, the wide world of sports, Rick Disnick jumping off that trampoline, that gymnast, Oh yeah, and, and uh, he broke his lung and he's <laughs> yeah. everything. That's what Dipper what did. What a game, got out really, trampoline footy, two, <laughs> two different things. <laughs> we will talk about that famous 89 grand final, but Dipper, reading your footy resume, it's simply sensational, and a 10-time premiership player, five-day, five-night. Greedy. Very greedy. You look back on the night premierships, it was a different time, wasn't it? Because they were very special. Not as big, but still super No, they were big. special. Um, one thing that uh, Hawthorne did, if we're going to go into a game, especially like you know, a, a night series, whatever, we were fair nicking. We're not there just to make up the numbers and that. Because it was a it was different playing. You're playing on a Saturday, then next thing you're playing on a Tuesday night, and then you're playing on a Saturday again. Uh, and uh, they were, uh, look, it was better playing than training. <laughs> Yeah, we love our training, but it's always nice to get out there and play a game of footy. That's what we always train for, and that's what it's all about. But uh, to get into a, a system uh, in the night series that uh, we were there to win, and uh, we won. Yeah, well, we won five, and uh, we didn't lose any, but uh, lost a few day ones, which unfortunately. But anyway, that's all right. Just makes the ones you won more enjoyable. <laughs> yeah. Now, for those that maybe have tuned into your career in recent times, we know you as a larger of life. TV character and a personality. You had that great career at Hawthorne. Tell us about the early days, though, because you were the son of Italian immigrants. How did you get into footy and how did you fall in love with the game? Well, uh, well, my f- my father came to this country in 1954 and my mother came in 1956. They were married by proxy over the phone. When Dad came here, he lived in Richmond with a couple of mates uh, and then when he married Mum, he bought a house in Hawthorne. That's, hence, I was zoned to Hawthorne. Uh, and then... Look, I came home one afternoon from school. I was 16 and a half years of age. It was around about February the 18th, 1975. And uh, my father was a, uh, 
like most parents, just hard workers. Up at five in the morning, you know, get home at six in the night. He was a factory worker. So was my mother. <clears throat> and uh, I remember coming in, and there's uh, three well-dressed gentlemen on the other side of our kitchen table, uh, and... Uh, I thought, oh no, there's three policemen looking for me. <laughs> and uh, and Dad said, "What are you doing home so early?" I said, "Oh, Dad, you know, I had a free period. In other words, I I wagged school, uh, and I uh, got a surprise that Dad was at home because he never got home before six o'clock." He said, "Well, these three boys, they want you to play for uh, the Hawthorne." I said, "But Dad, you know, back for Collingwood back in those days." He goes, "No." You're not playing for Collingwood. You play for Hawthorne. I sold you today. <laughs> you what? I sold you. They give me money. You go play. <laughs> oh wow! And and, and that, at that time I saw three homemade bottles of uh, three homemade bottles of wine. I thought, hello, the boys have had a drink. Got Dad got them in there. But uh, well, that's how I got the Hawthorne. My father sold me, uh, and. Uh, for how much? Uh, there was about six grand. <laughs> what? Yeah, six thousand back in the day, uh, and then, and then all of a sudden, I got a letter uh, from the club and uh, with Ron Cook and said, "I, oh, we want you to be at the club at five o'clock." So you know, from from Q High, <clears throat> end up going to uh, you know Linda Crescent with the tram, whatever. Put my bag down in the old Glen Ferry uh, 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 rooms. And, uh, well, Peter Crimmins, our great Peter Crimmins, was the captain then. Uh, for those who don't know Peter Crimmins, if you look at uh, Sam Mitchell's life and, and the way he played, tenacious and really hard, whatever, the number five, that was exactly what uh, Peter Crimmins was like. He was a captain at the time. And the same day when I put my bag down, two other guys joined me, Ronnie Eid and Ian Payton. And the three of us started our career together. I remember... Peter Cribbins coming up to me and saying, welcome, Robert DiPierre D'Americo, not Dipperdonkia or whatever other people used to call me. <laughs> um, you know, and the words are now still on the wall at, uh, at Glenfrey and in the elevator at, at Waverley. Uh, if you embrace Hawthorne, Hawthorne will embrace you. And that's what he said to me. And, um, yeah. And he also said to me, would you like a pair of boots? And I said, well, how much are they? because he was state manager for Puma. He goes, nothing. I said, well, I'll have two pairs. <laughs> <laughs> and I ended up getting a vinyl bag. I ended up getting a towel and tracksuit and all the things for nothing. And he shook my hand and said, just do me a favour, enjoy your time at Hawthorne, work hard and never leave Puma. Well, I was a Puma person for 18 years of my life, so on that handshake. Until, oh, well. Yeah, on that handshake. On yeah. that handshake and a yeah. few dollars that came down no, the no, track. No, no, no dollars. What were you? You were an Adidas man, weren't you? No, I, I was pure for a lot of times. Oh, but then the, were, club, yeah. the club started to change That's right. a little. Yeah. So, uh, the club so we could wear what we wanted profit. to wear. Yeah. Because yep. uh, Peter Knight and John Henry, a couple of awesome players at Hawthorne, they worked at, uh, at Puma with Peter Crimmins as well. And uh, yeah, so there you are. Uh, become a bit of a pin-up boy there. Now, Crawford often tells us about when he started at Hawthorne, it was on the back of that magnificent era. It was a very successful Hawthorne that you entered, but a lot of success was to come in the upcoming years, which was perfect timing for you. But you did spend 99 games playing in the reserves. Do you think that helped you? And do you watch these players now that they're impatient and they get thrown in at 17, 18, maybe when they're not ready, where you had to earn your games, but then when you did get an opportunity, you were a star from day dot? Well... It wasn't actually 99 games in a row. I, I ended up playing six under-19s under 19, under 19s, uh, game because the under-19s were there at the time. Because after when I got sold from my father in February, you know, I was playing in April in, in the under-19s. And then I got about five or six games in the reserves. And then Lee Matthews was injured in 1975. 
uh, and I took his spot in 19th man. So I played my first senior game within about 10 weeks of being at the club. I was on the bench again in, um, at Fitzroy, uh, against Fitzroy at, uh, at the old St Kilda ground uh, and uh, with Junction Oval. And I remember that day, uh, like, you know, Peter Hutchins was cap, uh, was a full forward and there was, there was Peter Knights and there was, you know, uh, Don Scott and, you know, Michael Tuck and, you know, Ian Bremner and, you know, Calvin Moore, all these great players in here. I here I am, little skinny runt, uh, front page of the age, and Mike Sheen wrote this piece, the first time I met Mike Sheen, front page of the age, leaning up against my name, Dippy Domenica, on on a wall, which was spelt wrong at the time as well. <laughs> <laughs> and here I am coming on the uh, on the ground and and, uh, and getting a few kicks, and you see Peter Hudson lead to you, and you think, oh, well, uh, I'll have a crack first. <laughs> oh, you had a shot. I had a shot you first. him. Yeah, if, he, <laughs> if anything uh, fell short, it was a pass, you know. <laughs> but that uh, sort of gave me the taste of it. And then for two years after that, I, I virtually played in the reserves and I was close enough to play another game, but they just I know, kept me back, whatever. But I was a bit all over the place at the time. And uh, and uh, from 1978 onwards, uh, I, I became a regular player. But those 99 games were made up of... Um, coming back from injury or poor form or uh, suspensions and all that sort of stuff, yeah. but uh, And you had some good players in the reserves oh, as well, didn't you? Well, Croft, I mean, the reserves football um, was just as tough as the senior football because you you, know, you wanted to be playing the seniors. But that match practice on Tuesday nights, we used to put our mouth guards in and if you were on the on the line of coming in and out, the the guy on the other side, like Ian Bremen, will just run through you and whatever because uh, there's only certain positions on the ground and, and that's how tough it was. Saying that Michael Tuck's played 400,000 games, right? He's also played 50 reserve games. Chris Lankford, nearly 55, um, you know, it's been a uh, Swabby played 100 reserve games. John Kennedy played 30 or 40. It was a time that you had to prove yourself, you know. Yeah, it was good times. It was certainly great footy as well and much more physical than what we see now. And I think it transitioned probably from when Dipper played to when Croft played to now. I'll start with you, Croft. How similar and different do you think the game is now to when you played? And when did you notice a bit of a change? I, I, well, it's very different. Um, luckily, towards the end of my um, career, I got to play with some zones and sort of no real man-on-man sort of setups, which um, I think makes footy pretty easy, <laughs> you know, to get out there and just hover at a space and then obviously work once you, you do get it and very structured. Um, but, you know, back sort of when I sort of all started, it was a real man-on-man you know, scenario. You had one opponent and you had to chase them until you were told to swap onto someone else. Um, and I think a lot of the draft kids these days, they're finding it difficult because they come out of school football, they come out of free-flowing football, and then they're not ready to go into the seniors, so they go to the VFL. And the VFL's pretty tough football. So you've got a lot of really mature bodies. You've got to go and win your own footy. So a lot of them struggle there. Um so, yeah, there's been so many different styles of football, but um, all I know is when I started, it was tough. You knew you were going to get whacked. You knew that, uh, you know, you just had to try and put on a brave face, and even if you were hurting, and just charge on as much as possible and play with injury. Like, I know players play with injury, but mm. back then you had to play with pretty severe injuries and just find a way to get through. It was mentally... Um, challenging. You know, it was mentally very challenging, and then that that was sort of when I was starting, so I could only imagine 
you know, you look back at the Essendon Hawthorne rivalry through the the nineties, it was unbelievable. Uh, players are not going to hit each other's heads off, so um, you had to have a lot of courage just to get out onto the footy field. And I obviously wasn't a part of a lot of that, but just watching old tapes, you know that you're going to get whacked at some stage, but you just stand on your own two feet and go again. Mm. I, I I end up playing like three decades of footy, like the seventies, eighties, and nineties. And uh, how football had changed from the seventies. You know, when you get down there, it was head over the ball. You know, and and that's one of the reasons I got a game. I wasn't skillful. I could run all day for a big fella because uh, I had a lot of energy and that sort of stuff. Is uh, that the pastor? What, what was that? What gave you all that energy? <laughs> no, it's called ADD. I think it is. <laughs> <laughs> but we were eating pastas and fish and chips on a Friday night, whatever. And then uh, the dietitians came in. Karen Inge came in around about mid eighty five, eighty six, and we went to eat, eating from that and, and lifting big heavy weights to to eating bananas and muffins, you know, just rip off the uh, <laughs> of the extra that we had. And, uh, and and that really started what professional football was going to become uh, because prior to that, you, you just looked after yourself. We all worked, you know, got, you know, got to work at 4.30 with your kick to kick before the coach came out. And the Peter and I sitting on top of people's heads. You know, it was so much fun getting kick the kick or whatever. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, we should train at 5 o'clock under one light. Uh, and uh, you know, it was muddy grounds. We used to have the umpires who umpire the, the game uh, in the previous week to umpire our match practice, and it was on. It was on. It wasn't just you know filling the ball around. It was like, get in. If you got hurt, come on, keep going. Come on, off you go. You know, get up. Uh, you know, if you had a blood nose, uh, it was great because you knew that, you know, you can stand in front of the coach, you've got blood all over yourself, said, I'm having a go, coach, you know. And uh, it was, it was, it was, look, it was great footy. Loved it. Loved the 80s football because you had one man on one man, you know. Dougie Hawkins or Mullane or, or uh, uh, you know, uh, Timmy Watson or, you know, you knew that you are playing against that fella. And, you know, what was good about you, maybe I could, outrun him because I could run all day but then again you know Gary Ablett when he was at uh, uh, senior that is when he was at Hawthorne then he went to Geelong and I played against him on the wing a few times I mean he sat on my head th- uh, that many times kicked three goals before you even blink you go oh, <laughs> how am I going to stop him and you know at the end I did but anyway <laughs> <laughs> That winter chill is right around the corner, but the AFL is only heating up. And so is Tab's Same Game Multi, where you can combine your favourite AFL markets like head-to-head, anytime goal kicker and total disposals, all in the one bet to get bigger odds. It's available all season long on the Tab app and website. Build your Same Game Multi with Tab today. Tab, long may we play. Available online for tap account customers only. Gamble responsibly. Call Gambler's Help, 1-800-858-858. Toughest opponent you've played on. I'll start with you, Crawford, because it was very much one-on-one. You'd go out. That was your man. You played on him. He would play on you. Who's the toughest player you ever played on and why? Well, I I found them all tough, but um, Robert Harvey was the one that I loved the most because he'd just go chasing the footy all day and he'd have that famous boundary throw-in, hands... You know, hands on the knees, looked like he's sucking in a bit of wind, a bit of air, which he was. But then off he'd go again, you know. And, um, yeah, I, I just remember playing on him and getting to the end of the game one day out at Waverley and we just looked at each other and we were, we were so exhausted. We just shook our heads and said, we, we can't keep doing this, you know. So um, I, he was one that I obviously terribly respected, but 
just his consistency, just to back up week after week like he did. He played with injury. You know, he famously jumped off a bench because uh, he had a foot injury. Um, and it was all about uh, what was um, plantar fascia injury yeah. in his foot. And the only way to fix it was to to try and snap it. So he kept jumping off his kitchen bench, bench jumped off it 50 to 100 times. And then finally snapped it, and then he was able to play the next week, which is just you know that sacrifice and that mentality to just keep backing up. He was incredible. What about you, Dip? Um, look, uh, in those eighties, was f- just fantastic names playing on the wing. Well, well I, I ended up playing halfback flak. So when I first started uh, against Alex Jezolinko, I got a split webbing from him. Um, Malcolm Blight, yeah, these great players. And then all of a sudden, they threw me on the wing. Did they put you on the wing because they what you were playing a bit soft or what? No, they put me on the wing because no, they put me on the wing because they needed a bit of uh, uh, a bit of toughness in they the middle. They want you to charge off the line. That's yeah. when you could charge yeah, off, off the line, line couldn't you? You, know? you can't do that these you know, days. You pick you people off. You can't do that at all. But you know, I charge off the line and get some tackles in or or get the ball and the, anyway, and then um, um, yeah, I stayed on the wing, of course, but. Yeah, Dougie Hawkins for me was the player. He was a, the complete player. Dancing Dougie. Yeah, Dancing Dougie. And we played against each other about 16, 17 times. He, he would have beat me 15 times. I got him a couple of times in important games in the finals. But he was such a wonderful player. Because if I if I was playing well on, on Dougie, I was, I was going all right. You know, he could kick left and right. He'd dance around you. Um, you know, he always played on one wing. You know, we used to laugh at each other. Come on, Dougie, come over here. No, no, I don't go on that wing. And, uh, you know, he was... He was Wonderful player to play, but um, but watching the football from those late 80s into the 90s when Croft came in, I must say, because not because Croft is here, you spoke about Robert Harvey, these guys are in, in, intense players, but to be so intense, you have to train hard, you know. And watching Croft train, he was one of those guys who just went on and on, him, Buckley, Benny Cousins, these sort of guys, just just. Uh, ruthless on the training field because they had to get the best out of, out of themselves and you know and um, um, you know that's what I might about uh, Croft because he him and you know the Buckleys would have set a new standard for players set a new standard you use Dougie Hawkins as an example as yep. the best player you played on mm. you're both great characters in footy what was it like off the field with Doug, would you go and have a beer with him that night, yeah, or would yeah. you see well, him in the look, off season? And was that fat. the best thing? You could belt each other all day and then have yeah. a beer together that night. And, and, and some of my best friends are, and, and good friends are Essen players, you know, like uh, Terry Dander, Timmy Watson, Paul Vanderhaar. Back in the but, day, you'd never admit that, though, would you? No, no, no. no but no, today, no. yeah, that's yeah, all fine. But that, today, but look, such a what would happen? You go and play, you play hard, and do what you got to do. Right then, off the field, we went to the after matches. You know, shook a hand. How you going? It's good to see you, champ. What a great day it was. Whatever. Then you go into the local social club. You know, I think the social club was still going when you were at Hawthorne. Across oh, the road from they, they, were, they were fading. Yeah, they were fading. Was yeah. it? Well, everyone went back to the social club on a Saturday night. If you played at Victoria Park, you go to the Collingwood one. You catch up with Dakes and all the guys. Whatever. That's where you form. And then you went nightclub in. You know, and the same <laughs> nightclubs. You have all the guys there. All, all drink cards and whatever. Um, you know, and that was where you, you formed a lot of friendships. The thing about Dougie, now, we love to have a bet, right? <laughs> uh, at the time, you could you know, have a little bit of a bet. And I remember once, if if I was playing, if we were playing at Princess Park, which is a home ground at the time, I'd put the quaddy on, right? Yes. And if <laughs> and if we're playing at, at Doggies, right, Hawker put the, the quaddy on and would have the quaddy written on our hands, right? And back in the day, the scoreboard would just be turned over, not... Uh, electrifies it is today, right? Anyway, and, 
and the Doggies and I, uh, the Doggies and Hawthorne were playing Princess Park. We were 13 points up. Always had close games to get the Doggies. Dougie's got the ball. It's about five minutes to go. He's got the ball. The ball's gone out of bounds in the full. And I'm on the mark, Croft. As you probably know, the Robert Heatley stands behind us, right? The wind's blowing from the, from the city across. So I know what the ball's going to do. But I know what Dougie's going to do. He's going to come towards me. He's going to show me the ball. And I used to go for the ball, dance around me. He, he did it to me all the time, right? I, I know what he's going to do, but I kept falling for it, you know? He, come on, Dipper, there it is, and you go for it. <laughs> he danced around. Anyway, this time, um, I'm on the mark. The scoreboard's behind or to our side. I said, Ducky, Ducky, the last leg's coming up. We've got three legs of this, right? <laughs> Dougie, last legs, come on, just hold on for a minute. He goes back, <laughs> puts the ball down, pulls his socks up. Umpire comes here. Come on, Dougie, get a gun. Yeah, come on, Dougie. Get... Oh, mate, it's, 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 it's number seven. We've got the quality, we got the quality mate. <laughs> anyway, instead of, uh, instead of uh, dancing around me, he actually kicked the ball and the wind took it out of bounds in the full. <laughs> but as well as that... What he's doing, he's he's cheering with his arms <laughs> up and down. He goes, we won the quaddy. Oh, it's bloody oh, hilarious, man. It's hilarious. But, uh, well, the, the uh, numbers, uh, even at the MCG, yeah. the quaddy numbers would come up on the big screen. The big screen. So you sort of knew what was happening with the races yeah. whilst you're playing footy. You're like, oh, race seven. Who was race seven? Number four won that. What number four was that? I reckon that was one of Lee Friedman's horses. You know, so we, that would that would because a lot of us, you know, now, a lot of us love to be part of the you know the racing industry, which I love being part of it, and, uh, and I know Crawford is and. And of course, you make a living out of Quinny, but um, it, it was it was part of our life, you know. It was fun. Hey, whilst we're talking about racing, we went on a Bucks party to Sydney. <laughs> oh dear, Dipper was leading the was charge, yours? and Jason Dustin. No, it wasn't mine. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Oh, no, that's right. Not married. No, that's it right. was Ben Dixon. Ben, ben Dixon, Dickos. Yep. So we all went up. There was probably about twelve to fourteen yeah. of us, um, all the Hawthorne boys, and Dicker said. I'll take charge of the uh, little kitty today. Let's all put in a little kitty. And before the races had started, I said, listen, I've got a bit of a push for this first starter at Melbourne. It's called Quasi Quasi. Can't believe it. It's big odds, 25 to 1. Look, the bookie over there has got 30 to 1. What do we do? So we all just shuffled the money in. Dipper took charge anyway. It was one of those days where we just couldn't lose. Couldn't lose. We Quasi Quasi won at big odds. You know, we had takeover target later in the day at Perth. That was the last the race day, that yeah. we, we backed. Takeover target. <laughs> we put all the money on takeover target and it got up. Oh, it was best yeah. day ever. And then we were obviously in Sydney and we got a, a few uh, pushes in Sydney and they won. And by the end of the day, we were like, how we're not going home. We're staying in Sydney for years. Uh, <laughs> that's how we were feeling. So much so that we went out that night. We walked into a nightclub called the, the uh, Ivy. Mm-hmm. And Dipper's just waving money around and just say, we want to be in this area. This is what we're going to do. And then the next morning, we've got, come to and we're like, okay, we've got to start flying back to Melbourne. And what a huge night. That was incredible. And then Dipper's come out with all this money. Oh, boys, here's your share and here's your share. He's just started handing out money. It was one of those days which those you, days. you couldn't dream of. Now, you guys have got lots in common. Hawthorne Legends, number nine, premierships. And the Brownlow Medal. You won yours in 1986, mm-hmm. Dipper. You're dead-heated with the superstar Greg Williams. No, no, no. He dead-heated with me. <laughs> <laughs> Get it right. I mean, if there was a countback, I would have got more three. So, you know. Oh, 
Yeah, there you are. Very controversial, that one is, you know. Good to see that he's not still bitter about that all these years <laughs> later. How do you think Greg Williams would take that if they did no, a countback today and no. they said no? Well, Greg should have had three because he had 45 possessions one day against Geelong at Wavelength. Yeah, but what type of possessions were they? Well, 45 back in the day wasn't too bad. Yeah, no, Any 45 is good, mate. No, you know? like but he had, ended up talking back to the umpires and whatever and uh, he didn't get any votes that day, but uh, he's still dirty on that, you know. You, you would have been someone who had a chat with the umpires, though. Not really. No? No, no. Is that uh, how you got some votes? You just didn't say that. I, well, I said a few things every now and then, but uh, <laughs> I, I was more, uh, you know, because um, back in the I don't know. Just, I, just I, running. I just saying just back in the day, the umpires were, were sort of, uh, they were part of the game, but they weren't sort of part of the game, not, not like today, you know, and you can go and uh, say things to an umpire, which you can't say these days, and they come back at you, and you go, oh, yeah, fair enough, okay, no worries at all. Who know. was the best to give you a clip back? Rowan Sauls would have been pretty good, wouldn't he? No, no, Glenn, um, uh, uh, I'll get back to you, sorry, the <laughs> Aboriginal um James, 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 thank you. Yes. Glenn Jay, he was a ripper. You say <laughs> say something and you, he'll come back to you and just say, oh, shut up, you fat so-and-so. <laughs> <laughs> he goes, oh, right, oh, you got that one, you know. You've got to be kidding, like, you know. Because when we played Essendon, everyone knew the Hawthorne Essendon was, uh, it, it was two games you wanted to play at the year was those two games, right? Because you wanted to be part of this, this, this culture that we had against each other. But, how the, the 25 metre, the 50 metre rule came in is the fact that when when we got an S and play, put them on the ground, we just hold them down, you know, and, and get the 15 metre so everyone could go pick up their other players. And then with the 25 and now, of course, 50, but uh, uh, they, were, they were just terrific days to be involved with, you know. Da- Darren Goldspink was uh, yeah, one that you could, yours. you could always yeah. throw a bit out and then he would throw a bit back. And I remember one time, obviously, I was. I was getting a bit angry and frustrated. And so he, he said something. So I said something back. He goes, free kick. I'm like, hang on, mate. We've had this band to go for years and years and years. But he just must have got frustrated that uh, I was getting a bit vicious with uh, a bit of my feedback. But he was always great because you could He's a that. racing man. There's no, a common I'm, theme. The, <laughs> the racing no, seems it, to bring them together for the banter. Yeah, no, but on the ground, you go, mate, he's just... He's your back in the last, you know, like you know, because you knew that you knew that you're having a bit of a, a, a bit of a play with horses. And here am I worried it, that you guys never even see what's on the scoreboard if it's a replay, and yet not only do you watch all that, you're taking in the quality numbers. No, well, no we were, that. we were. They stopped yeah, after but, a while. But but the racing was in between sort of quarters at times, and and they show on the screen. You know, so most of us, you said, listening to the coach, would be, like, oh, get up! <laughs> there's a lot of there's a lot of racing stories, I tell you. Yeah. I tell, um, and football. Scotty McLaren was it? Scotty McLaren. Yeah, Scotty. Yeah. I, I feel like that's a um, a car racing driver, but um, he. I remember going overseas on one of the island trips to <laughs> Dipper. Like, even though yeah. he'd been finished from the game, um, Dipper was always. On Pardon. the Irish yeah. trips, he was always leading the way. He was virtually taking charge every night, and and um, he was virtually connecting everyone, bringing life to uh, to our adventures. And Scotty McLaren, I remember we got Scotty at one stage. He, he no, because uh, I saw him in the shower. Yeah, so Dipper Dipper's seen him have a have a shower, and then out on the drink one night, got him to reveal. Yeah. pull his pants down and show us. He's actually got tattoos of the grand finals that he's umpired. Oh, yeah, with an yeah. AFL emblem as yeah, big as that. so he's got 
he had a couple on there, and uh, Dipper somehow, which you know, yeah, like probably, a night on what would we'll do. Probably kept that to himself. That once the players will come in, and and we had people visiting from Australia, like Andy McGuire, Mick, uh, Mick Moldhouse, and a few other people like that, would come into the pub, we'll say that, and we always had a, a, a bit of a catch-up before, and I'd go, now, all right, guys, now, um, Scott McLaren, please come up, and we <laughs> saw something today, because I said to Craig Bradley, who played 9,000 Irish games, right, he's having a shower, and I'm having a shower after training, and I said... I have a look at uh, a McLaren, a McLaren's bum. He goes, "Look at his bum." <laughs> so, no, no, have a look. Have a look at his bum. So I'm not looking at his bum. <laughs> you know, then he looked at his bum. He goes, "What?" <laughs> and then we revealed it. It was a fair dinkum. It's as yep. big as your iPhone. The AFL logo yep. and the umpire. Oh, it's hilarious. Well, that's it. You hear about players yeah. having yeah. these tattoos, premiership tattoos, <laughs> and but here he, the umpire is having <laughs> a premiership tattoo and it's massive. And I think. The following year, he went on to umpire the grand final. So I imagine he got another. He got one. another one. Yeah, we should read massive him up and find out. on the other side. But I'll tell you what, and only Dipper could ever get a <laughs> umpire to reveal themselves in front of a crowd, which was all the players, <laughs> and we all just erupted. They go, "How good is yeah. that?" That's incredible. And gave him a bit have a, have a bit of a laugh. What about Premiership me? tats? Have you got any dip? Ah. Uh, no, I haven't. No, if I if I had premiership tats, mate, I'd be like Chopper Reed. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be I'd be covered with them, like you know. Please, no, I haven't got one. What about yourself? No, I um, uh, I remember in Jared Ruffhead yeah, went to get one, right? Um, and we said, yeah, 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 get one. We'll all get one. And then he got one. And it looked terrible. <laughs> and I said, no, nah, I'm out. And so all the other players went, yeah, we're not going to get one either. <laughs> His hawk just wasn't right. He's only got one now, he's got the four. <laughs> no, he left it at that. He all wished right. he wanted to get it off, actually. That winter chill is right around the corner, but the AFL is only heating up. And so is Tab's Same Game Multi, where you can combine your favourite AFL markets, like head-to-head, anytime goal kicker and total disposals, all in the one bet to get bigger odds. It's available all season long on the Tab app and website. Build your same game multi with Tab today. Tab, long may we play. Available online for Tab account customers only. Gamble responsibly. Call Gambler's Help, 1-800-858-858. That 89 grand final in the eyes of many is the greatest game of football ever played. and It was unbelievable. Tell us about that day that left you really fighting for life afterwards. Well, it, it, it was a day that, that uh, needed to be... Needed to be won by Hawthorne because even though we made those grand finals, as I said, yeah, you know, we yeah you know, we let some go through. You know, eighty four really hurts because we were five goals up at three quarter time. Uh, but anyway, so eighty nine comes around and we're playing against Geelong and and uh, I know Genji, you know, sort of said to us and said you know, uh, <laughs> uh, to me and Dermot and Dunstall and uh, Michael Tucker and whatever said, now listen, son, you know, we're gonna bloody win this game. We're gonna win this game, you know, and and um, we really yeah, had to make a mark against a new opponent and, and and the Geelong side at the time was coming through. And as we all go out there, you know, Derma gets hit in the first seconds of the game. Not that we saw it, but you you saw the aftermath, you know, you think, oh God, you know, Derma's down. What's going on here, you know? And then typical Dermot, you know, I wouldn't call it arrogance, but it is in a way, that he just stood up and just went back into a pack and took this mark and kicked the goal. And you thought, right, he's, he's back on, you know. And there's three words you don't want to hear on grand final day. And they are, it's yours. 
Dipper. <laughs> <laughs> it's yours, Croft, you know, because when that ball's up in the, you know, in the sky looking at it and you know thousands and hundreds of thousands of people are watching you, you can't look left, you can't look right, and you know what's coming. Um, and, you know, bang. Um, I just kicked the goal prior to that. Yeah, two minutes in, you know, <laughs> 55 out on the members' wing, you know, bang, post high. Ran back to my mark and Johnny Platton got the ball, got dragged off the ball, the ball come up. Dipper, it's yours, it's yours, Dipper. And bang, I got hit by Ablett, you know. But adrenaline takes you to another place because in a grand final like that, all you want to do is just get involved. That was really early in the game. And um, so I got up and, and uh, kicked the ball and, and then... Um, uh, uh, Gary Hocking sort of decided to come in and, and give me a couple in the ribs and whatever at the same time. And and as the game goes on, my body was imploding and my voice was going like this. So I run around the MCG going, hey, hey, kick it to me. Are you, they go, are you all right? Yeah, I'm all right. What's wrong with you? And then at halftime, I've gone into the rooms and there's no way none I wanted to come off the ground. I didn't know what was wrong with me, but you're not there to say oh, I could have, should have maybe because, you know, you just want to play with your mates. You want win, lose or draw, you want to be out there and that's what you, you, you fight for and so I got out again which is really good after Yabby had a bit of a, a crack at a few guys, whatever and uh, and Yabby told this story about the, the little boy with the shoes, you know, which sort of got it going and um, so we go out there and all of a sudden I've got hockey, no, I've got Buse and Brunge in a headlock, like a tripod and I've got hockey grabbing my hair, just punching my head <laughs> And I thought, if I let go of these two boys, I'm going to fall to the ground. So I'm just hanging in there. And then then um, you know, that all broke up or whatever. At the end of the game, I threw myself on the ball on the other side of the ground. And as I've landed, the siren goes. And Michael Tusk got a split webbing halfway down his head. You can see the inside. He's bleeding like anything. Picks me up and says, oh, we've won. We've won. He squeezed the last bit of breath I had. And uh, anyway, ended up in hospital and... Um, I was there for nine days. Uh, on the seventh day, when I rose, uh, everybody, uh, yeah, everybody came in and uh, come to see me. And so, what uh, what happened to you? What, what were the well, injuries? what happened when I went back? I got hit by Ablett. As it broke a rib, which actually punctured my lung. And then, as the day gone on, I got belted a few more times. Whatever, um, it, air was escaping, which sort of. Uh, cutting off my voice box and I was like the Michelin man, you know, and a nurse came came in basically and, and cut my jumper open and just put like a knitting needle into my chest uh, and uh, it was really, um, in a way, saved my life, yeah. You know, because no one really knew what was going on because I was, I was gone. In the ambulance, they gave me two shots of adrenaline, which is the last thing I need is adrenaline, <laughs> especially <laughs> after a game like that. But, uh, yeah. And, and so what about when you say that, Alan Jeans told you a story mm. about the shoes, the mm. boy with the shoes. Do you know that? Well, Craw- yeah, well, Crawford, that story? Yeah, well, Crawford's like this, mate, because um, when you're a coach, you, you, you've got to come up with something every week, you know? And you've played, and, and you're, you're a 300 game player. And you think, what am I going to tell a 300 game player who's captain of our side, Brownlow Medals, whatever? He knows how to play the game. We've got to get him going. So, same thing with Dunstall and, um, you know, um, uh, Peter Curran and uh, Chris Langford and Gary Ayres and all these great names that we had. What's Gene's he going to talk about? He's had a brain hemorrhage the the, uh, the year before. He said, "Lads, I want to tell you a story about a boys, a boy who went, who had to go to a wedding. His mother gave him fifty dollars to go buy a pair of shoes." And we're going, "What's he talking about? This is half time of the grand final." 
Now, the young fellow went to the shoe shop and saw two pairs of shoes. One pair was stitched by an Italian handcrafter, you know, just absolutely superb, gonna last forever. And the other one, well, it looked good, but it wasn't, you know, the real thing. He thought, well, they're $25 and a good pair of 50. If I buy the $25 pair of shoes, well, I could put them on, go to the wedding, and I got 25 bucks in my pocket. Anyway, he buys the $25 pair of shoes, puts them on. As he's walking home, the shoes fall apart. Now he's got no shoes and he can't go buy any. And he just said, pay the right price today and tomorrow will look after itself. Pay the price today and tomorrow. And we've just gone, pay the price, pay the price. And it was just lifting. And then we went out. And now that story comes from nowhere, from nowhere. Never heard that story before, but... There's always a little story at the end of it. I'd be surprised. Yeah. I thought you might have put your hand up halfway through the story and said, what was the Italian label that he was going for? You know? <laughs> yeah. No, no, I couldn't talk at Crawford at halftime because normally I was up the front. You know? Jeansy always knew, the best thing about Jeansy always knew how to speak or how to handle players. That was his beauty. Like you might go to Gary Buccanaro and just say, Bucky, we cannot win without you, mate. You know? Well, I go to Durban myself. And what the hell are you two doing? You know, have a look at your shorts and your boots. You're not even dirty. Get out there. Like, he knew exactly how to handle players. And uh, uh, he was a master of that, yeah. With all the injuries you did suffer in that 89 grand final, how much pain were you in? And how sick were you afterwards? I was pretty sick. Um, and uh, the pain was basically I couldn't breathe. And, and uh, I was just run out of gas. If you see me in the... I've only watched the game a couple of times. And if you see me at the end, there. I mean, I, I didn't realise I, I ended up kicking three, four points uh, from left foot snaps or shots of goal. I could have kicked another three or four. I wouldn't remember that, right? The pain was immense. I remember waking up and upstairs at the, at the, at the hospital St Vincent's Private, they had other gentlemen there who had heart exposure, had heart operations, so their chest bone would be cut open. And of course when you've got a sternum and you can't, well, I've had sterns before. You can't breathe, you can't sneeze, and you're talking like this. Well, those guys came into my bedroom, and I'm laying there going, Good day, guys, here you go. They go, Yeah, mate, how you doing? It was like a mafia meeting. Like, <laughs> Sylvester Stallone. Yeah, Sylvester. Oh, it's just great watching the game. You okay? Yeah, I think I'm okay. You know? I think I'm okay. <laughs> hey, how you going? Yeah. Uh, but uh, four, number three. I remember getting picked up and, and then going home, and I went over a speed bump, and oh, that absolutely killed me. I ended up going to Magnetic Island uh, for for nearly three weeks um, just to recoup. And the club sent me up there, you know. The part um, of the salary cap, or <laughs> 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 fringe benefit, whatever. It was. Uh, and, and Magnetic Island was just an island, obviously not a lot of people there, whatever. Uh, but. Stupid me joined the rugby club when I was up there. No. I had to, I had to play you, a bit of rugby. Yeah, I know. But, uh, <laughs> but I came back all tanned. I had my gold chains around me. I wore a white suit, this cream off-white suit, to a white shirt to the tribunal because I, I got Gary Hawking that day and I ended up getting five weeks. Right? <laughs> and I said to the club, um, they said, you know, they had a footage of me getting bashed and that sort of stuff. I said, don't worry about it. We won the premiership. I'm yep. not well to play anyway. So, you know, kept in those five weeks. And, and uh, because of the night games, I, I missed the first two weeks in, uh, in 1990. Is there one player that you just think, uh, you know, is, is the best player that you've played with? I think Lee Matthews would have to be that. I mean, I, I played with Lee for 10 years, you know, watching him from 
Rover to going to full forward. And what, what, what was so good about him? Everyone, everyone mentions yeah, Lee Matthews. It's just the way he went about it. Cool. Just the way he went about it. You know, he wasn't a big trainer. Uh, but what he did on the footy field, it, it was just amazing. He just head over the ball, he, he led that way, and um, and then you know when he moved on, you know Johnny Platten comes into the side, you know and Johnny the Rat. I caught up with him last week, and uh, as I just showed you a photo before, he, he still got that hair. He's hanging <laughs> on to that hair. Uh, you know he, you know he came in nineteen eighty six, and you know won a Brownlow in eighty seven, and you know then mate, there's Dunstall and there's Brereton. I mean, you know. There's Gary Ayres and there's, you know, Chris Mew played five premierships, you know. So so how, how do you function in a team where you've got Jason Dunstall, who's a, a tad unusual? Yeah. And then you've got Dermot in the same forward line. So you walk into the change rooms. <laughs> they're well, very, Fino, very different people. Well, Michael Tark, Lee Matthews and Don Scott never spoke to each other off the field. Really? No, because there wasn't, there, there wasn't that relationship. But on the field, they were one of the best on ballers, you know what I mean? Yep. That was the same relationship with Dermot and Jason. Now they're, they're working together. They they you know, converse or whatever, but they're two different types of people, yep. you know. I'm always the one in the middle trying to make sense of both of these two, you know. Uh, and um, <laughs> I could – but, yeah, well, Jason's, you know, one of the – I mean, he was kicking 138, 139, 140 goals, you know, a year. It was just amazing back in the time. Um, so so rocking up to training, you've got Jason Dunstall who <laughs> arrives in a, a beautiful – Full family sort of Saab set up, yeah. and then you got Dur- Dermot in, in, in a red Ferrari, Ferrari. Yeah. or he's on his Harley yeah, Davidson leather and, jacket. And, yeah, and I came in in a white BMW convertible. <laughs> you know, did you? Uh, well, some I people are coming G- off the train. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> some people are walking, riding well, their bikes, and well, here Chris, you three Chris are. Chris Langford, being a private schoolboy, you know, he came in one of those stags, green stags, you know. Like, <laughs> but I remember Jeansy. I think we lost two games in a row. And uh, Gingy was panicking, you know. What the bloody hell's wrong with you blokes? When I first came to this club, I looked in the car park and there were Holdens and Fords. <laughs> now there's Ferraris and BMWs. <laughs> you boys have changed. <laughs> no, we just couldn't afford a decent car. Yeah. That's what they were saying. Oh, no, it was, uh, it was, it was the times. I remember Terry Wallace had a, a Datsun 300Z and had two roofs you know, take off. And we, we used to... Yeah, do go down Collins Street and put a stand up, and I like yeah all the stupid things you do, <laughs> like you do in Vegas and whatever. Because back in the day, the disco ball came out in the eighties, you know, and uh, it was part of our life. It was part of our life. Even during the week, it was part of our life. Uh, you walk in, they give you a drink card, and and you think, oh, how cool is this? And you know, a five hundred dollar drink card these days, that'll buy you three champagnes and a, you know, and whatever. But it was part of the culture, uh, and um, yeah, it was it was. Bloody good times, I tell you. Is that why you were so close on the field? Because you spent so much time together off the field and had all these fun yeah, times together. It did help because you know, like your, your, your own little group, like you know, Dunstall, Platten, and myself, whatever, in our little group over here, and then with Dermot and a few other guys in that little group, whatever. But the, at the end of it, when we played footy, we knew exactly what we were doing. But in the in the uh, in the social aspect, you go out with some guys and you win with the other guys. You know, but when it came to to play and train and whatever, you you know, all in one, you know, we are at Hawthorne. Uh, but um, Tom Hafey always said that the times at, at when he was at Richmond, and they used to, you know, in the sixties and seventies, to go back to the social club, play guitar, you know, get their families back together, have a have a barrel on a Sunday and whatever. That was all about getting to know each other. 
you know, and I think that started to change in, in the 90s when the players were coming in and then going home, you know, and then now these days a lot of the players don't... See, a lot of people say, oh, why do they handshake after a game of footy when you've just been beaten by 30 goals, right? It's hard to do, but you respect the player you play against because you've probably come through the under-18s together. You know, we, we, had, we had the same track, but I went to Hawthorne and you went to the Swans, you know what I mean? So a lot of people, a lot of players know each other through that under-18s and, and that drafting system. That's why they all get together at the end of it. Dipper, you were a pioneer for the Italian community and that's something that must be very special to you to this day, what you did. And you probably helped a lot of young Italians blend well into the Australian society. Well, um, that's, uh, been, uh, that's been noted, actually. Not that you go out and do what you do because of that, but... Um, I know um, my mother and father found it easier after a while to, to live in this country, but also um, it was great to represent the Italian community uh, and you know, I've won a lot of awards. <laughs> you got to love this, right? I've won a lot of awards uh, in the Italian Sportsman of the Year, right? We have our own little Sportsman of the Year and there were bike riders and soccer players. Who's the most famous in that ca- in that category me. here in Australia, oh, apart from you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's... Um, uh, the bike rides back in the day, because um, at Olympic Park used to be the the, yep, uh, the velodrome, bike, the velodrome, that sort of stuff, uh, and there were soccer players, of course. Anyway, so I, I won about four or five times. Um, <laughs> instead of getting a trophy, you got a free suit, a free, a free suit, mate, <laughs> and and a blanket to, of, for it, your double bed. And please tell me it was an Italian suit. Yeah, yes. of course, yeah. yeah. <laughs> So instead of getting a trophy, they say, oh, Enzo, the tailor wants to, wants to make you a suit because <laughs> you are Italian and beautiful, you know. But it's amazing that... Um, Is that where you got your, your white suit that you walked through the tribunal? No, no, no. I got that at Dimmy's, mate. You know, that. <laughs> How much? Two ninety nine. Oh, I thought you could say nine ninety nine. <laughs> it was nine ninety nine. It was two ninety nine. <laughs> did you cop much racial vilification growing uh, up and during the AFL? Of course I did, you know, because... Look, I had a I had a very bad stutter at school. Like I, I, I couldn't put two words together. Right. The other thing I was hyperactive, and the other thing I had was a long name, and I got picked on because of my stuttering and because of my 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 just you know running around hundred miles an hour and my name, you know. But um, we didn't realise it was racial then, you know, but you, we were called a, a lot of names, you know. Um, but on the footy field, it sort of uh, it worked out well that uh, you could, um, you know, go get the Anglo-Saxon who said it. <laughs> you could square up with them physically. Well, well, my mates at school were Irish, a guy from England, a couple of Aussie boys, and a couple of Italian boys. That's a little gang we had, you know. We all come from all different parts and that, and um, you know, and you got nicknames and that sort of stuff. But Knowing Michael Long, knowing the the <clears throat> the story of, of Indigenous the way we do today, I sometimes feel that maybe I should have stood up and go, you know what, this is not good enough. But it would have been hard back in those days. For you personally, when you were getting called those names, or when yeah, you were witnessing what it to I've, others, what I've seen Michael Long be able to do, and and the and his and all the Indigenous players who do it, um, to stand up for themselves. I maybe should have gone, you know what? I'm not putting up getting called WOG anymore, you know? I'm not putting up for this anymore. We're just as, as Australian as you are. I was born here and that sort of stuff. So I, I'm in envy at times when I, when, I, when I think about that, you know, because 
16,000 players have played with us. Oh, well, not with us, with in, in the game, 16,000 players. I, I would think, you know, only a third, maybe a third of those are Aussies and the rest come from a background. It's amazing. How important was footy in getting you to live alongside and be mates with these people that may otherwise have been giving you a hard time? Um, well, footy was great. I mean, I was no, I was no champion, or whatever. I was just a, a work, a workhorse, and you know, in up becoming one, of course. But you know, it's sort of like just a workhorse and head over the ball type of kid. You know, that's what John Kennedy loved about me. That's what got my first game. I know you can put your head over the ball, son. That's all I want you to do. Get the ball and kick it along. You know, uh, I never dodged a play in my life. And I'm, <laughs> you know, like, uh, but um, football gave you an opportunity to be yourself, and people see you. As yourself, and you go, oh wow, you know, uh, and you did things, in, you know. Like one thing about the MCG that we all know, it'll either make you or break you, as a player. You know, the great games that people play, or the worst games that people play, or the great mark or whatever. That that was that test of all time. When you played on that ground, you knew, you knew, especially in our game, you knew it was going to make you or break you, you know, by by your actions. Um, but it gave me an opportunity to become who I am. But I remember going out all the time and everyone would have a go at you, you know. Oh, have a look at you, you know. Oh, there's that dipper bloke, you know. Yeah, oh, here we go again. Well, know? the Aussie tall poppy syndrome. In, in a way, yeah. You, you go out there and, you know, guys would come past and, you know. Bump you. Bump you and you go, yeah, go, mate, whatever. And then, you know, a few scuffles here and there. But, <laughs> you know, you're tested all the time. But, you know, and even today you get tested at times, you know. But you just walk away and just go, it's all right, mate. We saw some Richmond players get in trouble at a pub last week. Yeah. Um, I'm sure you've both been in situations where it's entirely the other group's fault, but it's up to you to probably ensure that it doesn't get to that. I'm sure you've wanted to punch on many times, but you just know it's not the smart thing to do. And the challenge for you might be being with mates who are not footballers, who are like, no, we're not copping this, and then that's how it escalates. Yeah, it's... uh it is a like you got to go out. I, we love yeah. going out and mixing with our friends, and and you know that's the only time you can go out and and have a good time. And I encourage all of our footballers; they got to do it. I, I can even remember back in the early days with Buddy Franklin, where they weren't going to ban him from going out, and I was I was saying no, we can't do that. We, we can't stop him from going out. He needs to go out and and mix with his own age and and learn, you know, the right ways to to go about it. So. Um, you do. You've got to walk away. Like, and the thing is, when you do have some friends with you as well, they all want to stick up for you. You know, of course. You know, some of your of mates go, "I want to knock this bloke's head off." He can't do that. But um, so it can it can go um, one way or the other. But most of the time, I think a smile works. It's like, "Oh yeah, mate, I am an idiot." You know, yeah, you're right. Um, and then by the end of the night, you you think you find they. End yeah. up buying you a beer, yeah. If, or, oh, sorry about or that, mate. you just go, listen, yeah. mate, settle down. Even though inside you're fuming, and you just take yourself to another part of that pub, or you just go, listen, oh, let's can we? We'll go somewhere else. Um, but it takes a lot to do that, you know, because you think, why should I have to go somewhere else? Or, yeah, I'm not putting up with this. Or as Dipper said, he doesn't hang out in pubs a lot, and um, you know that's a shame because. You have a good time when you go to the right pub, meet the right people. You know, you go to the a nice area. You know, edit. You go. Oh, this yeah. is a great spot. We enjoy this venue. There's so a few, um, there's a few pubs. You just got to you got to remove yeah. yourself as quickly as possible and yeah. 
take a deep breath because you can explode. People get excited, which is great, you know. Uh, and uh, once that excitement's gone, then people settle down a bit, and then you get involved with, with the people. And g'day, champ, here you go, mate. How can I buy a beer? What are you back in this last? You know, and they go, oh wow, you know, talking and that sort of stuff. But <laughs> please don't think we're anyone special because we did play a game of footy, but people just love their football. Yeah, you know, love their football, and we're very fortunate that this great game is is what people can, can you know, it's, it's still great to be able to go to a game of footy, you'd be sitting next to a Hawthorne supporter and a Carlton supporter, have a go at each other and then go home and have a yep. great time. You know, that is not around the world at all, you know. No, it is absolutely superb. It brings people together and you two gave people, especially Hawthorne supporters, a lot of joy over the years. It's been a great chat today. I've absolutely loved it, but it's time to wrap up with a winner. We're going to get Crawford's best bet and best multi for the footy this weekend. And, well, the fields aren't out for this weekend at Flemington, so I can't get a tip off you for the races, no, Dipper, which no. is a shame. I always back number nine Yes, in every race. And I'll tell you, the number, if you go through the results in the last month, number nines are everywhere. And everyone knows, and my local down at Rye, uh, everyone knows, oh, Dipper's on that. Dipper's on that. And I've been there. I've obviously been at Rye, at the Rye pub. There's a, there's a nice little sports bar there. I live down at Rye Way. And uh, you're sitting there and, uh, boys, get on the number nine, you know. And then number nine comes in, it's paying 30 bucks. And number nine, <laughs> number nine, and I put all my quaddies, I put in everything. And no, so, no one would ever know if Dipper had backed a winner because you can hear this. <laughs> yeah, we'll be able to do this, mate. <laughs> told you. Very told modest ya. about backing a winner. Yeah, of course. Like, you keep know. it low. Keep yeah, it low. you've got to celebrate the good times, Dipper. Oh, you do. There's not many of them, but, uh, yeah. No, but thanks for having me on board and always great to talk footy and yeah. You've been absolutely sensational. I've absolutely loved it. And Croft, can you finish uh, the show I'm with I'm going to go Port Adelaide. Uh, they were my best last week and they lost. But Port Adelaide against Collingwood. I think Collingwood will put up a bit of a show, but I just think I do like Port Adelaide as a team. And um, Essendon over North Melbourne. North Melbourne had a good win against our beloved Hawks. Um, can they back it up? Uh, possibly, but uh, I think Essendon... Um, you know, I don't think they played their very best. They found a way to win last week. So I think if you put Port Adelaide and Essendon together, you might get some kind of return. Now, we've got a $20 free bet, and we've got to have it on a team for the Premiership. Who would you have yours on? Brisbane. Brisbane? Haven't they clicked into gear? Yeah, Like, absolutely. And when you think about it, Lockie Neal's yeah. been out, who's been who's there? I think it's good for Lockie Neal because he, he found himself targeted every game and it got really frustrated talking to the umpire mm. or whatever. He'll come back a different person. I just feel that they're, you know, they're going to play more games up there and they've got everything going for them. Good back line, great centre field and, of course, you know, forwards. And with Lockie Neal out, Hugh McCluggage has just taken that oh, next step if up. Could, mm. if, if McCluggage could kick straight, yep. <laughs> look out. All right, who's your, who's your top couple for a Brownlow dipper? So sorry, uh, Petrarca. Yes, love love the way he plays. Um, Someone's getting their votes. They're winning every week. Yeah. Uh, oh, what a great start they've had. Mm. Um, and um, yeah, no, I'll, I'll stick with Petrarca. Yeah. Root self Croft. Well, it's it's just going to come down to Clayton Oliver whether or not yeah. he takes a few off him as well because yeah. he and does. Gorn. Yeah. Well, obviously Gorn's always yeah, in their best. Um, I don't know. I like like Petrarca. I think it would be great, but then it, Dusty Martin's going okay, isn't he? What about some it's of funny, his games? Like he'll poll a lot of threes, and then he won't poll in games. He's, he's missed three games. Yeah, already, so he's missed three, but he's yeah. probably had oh, well, yeah, three or four best on, hasn't he? But he, um, so you got to be wary of him because when Richmond win, he's he always well. the yeah, he's always the leader there. But uh, I still, I still. 
keep coming back to Port Adelaide, even though they lost on the weekend. You're not worried they're flat track bullies? No, I don't. They've, they've been saying that, but um, no, I think there's a bit more to them. I think they're just trying to find their best mix because I think they've got so many to choose they from. They need Jersman back in and uh, other young fella, but uh, yeah, they're, yep. they're strong. But uh, for me, I just think uh, the Lions are doing what they're doing. They're doing it good, you know. What about your beloved Hawks? Um, geez, they've been in every game, you know. They've just been, I mean, we we come back from 60 points down and win games and we're 34 points in front and we lose games. And, and that's been consistent over Hawks for, for many years now. Look, you know, in the day, I, I hope they can just get back to three or four or five good wins and, and get those. But those young players coming through, CK, oh, my God. How good is he, eh? Runs like lightning. He is lightning. He is lightning. They've been up for a long time, the Hawks, but I think they will benefit from a high draft pick this year and get a bit of top-end calibre coming through the team and that might help Clarko do it all again. That's Clarko's going to stay there. Do you think he's going to go somewhere? Well, you know, who knows? You hear Collingwood. You know, uh, but every, I think every, everything, loyal. you know, football's a game of, uh, of inches and also for um, for coaches, it's a game of wins, you know. And Do you think Clark will be there next year? Well, maybe maybe he's looking out because in the, the day he's been a master, um, but you need master players too to be a master. That's what Jeans used to say. You do. No, it's not, it's not a my. This is not my team. This is not my team. It's your team. I'm nothing without you. Yeah, I know that, yeah. I know that. I've told you that many, many years. You know? <laughs> well, I'm nothing without you too, Jensen. It's been great fun. Punters, you've been listening to Inside 50. That winter chill is right around the corner, but the AFL is only heating up. And so is Tab's Same Game Multi, where you can combine your favourite AFL markets like head-to-head, anytime goal kicker and total disposals all in the one bet to get bigger odds. It's available all season long on the Tab app and website. Build your Same Game Multi with Tab today. Tab, long may we play. Available online for Tab account customers only. Gamble responsibly. Call Gambler's Help, 1-800-858-858.